Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. First of all, not introducing these foods increases their chance that they're eventually going to develop allergy to these foods. Second of all, the American Academy of Pediatrics put out recommendations that introducing these foods to infants is absolutely safe. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. Hey guys, welcome back. I've got a bonus episode for you today. I've received a ton of questions about whether or not it's safe to introduce the potentially allergenic foods to our babies during the coronavirus quarantine and because of COVID-19. So I have a very special guest, Dr. Ron Sunog here to answer all of your questions about allergenic foods during the quarantine. Dr. Ron Sunog is a pediatrician. He also specializes in the introduction of food allergies, and he wrote a fabulous book called Eat the Eight, Preventing Food Allergy with Food and the Imperfect Art of Medicine. Now, many of you may be familiar with the big eight. Those are the eight allergenic foods that account for about 90% of food allergy. In today's bonus episode, Dr. Sunog is going to walk us through exactly which babies can proceed as if normal with the introduction of allergenic foods, but he'll contrast that with the babies who do need to maybe pump the brakes on the allergic food introduction for a while because of COVID. But I think he's going to help put a lot of your concerns to rest if you're not not sure if your baby falls in the high risk or the low risk or the no risk categories for food allergies by the end of today's bonus episode you will so you can know whether or not it's safe to proceed with the allergenic food introduction during COVID-19. Well, hi, Dr. Sunog. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you are a busy individual and you are probably hearing a lot of the same questions that my audience has been asking, which is if you don't mind just summarizing, with the COVID-19 coronavirus quarantine, is it still safe to introduce potentially allergenic foods to our babies? Yeah, so um, my pleasure to be with you. Um, it is still safe. The thing for parents to remember is the risk of a reaction is low and the risk of a serious reaction that they can't handle at home with some Benadryl is extraordinarily low. Of course, with COVID, it's reasonable to say people are 
uh, hesitant about going to the ER, but the chance of having to is just extraordinarily low. Now, I have to ask you this question because I have noticed this trend and I have a, a friend, Nicole, who has a number of children with food allergies. They're older now, but we were talking the other day and she said, I'm so glad my kids aren't babies right now. I would be so stressed about introducing the allergenic foods. I, I always used to go and do it in like introducing the allergen in the minivan, in the roundabout driveway in front of the ER. Would you say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would that considered, could that be considered to be overkill? Yes, that's more caution than is necessary. It's safe to do at home. It is safe to do at home. Now, we had talked previously in other interviews about how a lot of things have changed regarding the guidance and the research and what we now know about earlier introduction of allergenic foods, and that what used to qualify or classify a child as being at high risk for, let's say, peanut allergy, for which there is good data, that's changed. Could you tell us what identifies a baby as being at high risk for potentially having a peanut allergy? So the current teaching on that, the current understanding is based on the LEAP study from 2015. And risk of peanut allergy is related to eczema and or egg allergy. And the level of eczema determines uh, to some extent the amount of risk. So with very mild eczema, the risk is lower. And with uh, moderate to severe eczema, the risk gets higher. Uh, it's also interesting to note that any amount of dry skin, which is to some extent extremely mild eczema, is a risk factor for food allergy. Uh, so I always remind patients, just treat it. With very mild skin, all we're really talking about is use plenty of moisturizer. Okay, and you guys, Dr. Sunog is a pediatrician. He also has a wealth of knowledge as far as the introduction of allergenic foods goes. And I know, ex I mean, I don't want to speak for my audience, but when they hear eczema, everybody's baby has some degree of eczema, then they all automatically assume, well, my baby is then at high risk for peanut allergy. So could you perhaps clarify between, I don't want to discount it, but your run-of-the-mill eczema that might slightly increase risk versus severe eczema, which puts a baby in the category of being at high risk for peanut allergy, including if they also have egg allergy, even if they don't have egg allergy, severe eczema, that's different than run-of-the-mill eczema. Is that correct? It is. So let me put it this way. With severe eczema, which is a small percentage uh, of kids, the risk is high enough that the general recommendation is to get tested first before introducing peanut. And that's because the risk of uh, developing peanut allergy is something over 20% in those kids. But the really important thing to remember there again is that because these kids are at high risk, these infants, it's really, really important that if they're among the 80% roughly who are not already allergic to peanut, that they have peanut introduced early because their risk is high. Um, for those who are already peanut allergic, again, we find that out through a test, which could be a skin test or a blood test that would show that they're already allergic. But here's another really important point. Many experts have said, you don't even really need to go for that test. Uh, that might sound sort of surprising, but if you're among the 20% or so, if uh, your infant is among the 20% or so, uh, who will react to that first uh, bite of peanut food, 
the chance that it will be a serious reaction is almost zero, extraordinarily close to zero. Um, so you could even do it without the test. Again, it's understood that this would make most people too nervous and they should do the test. Now, as far as all the other kids with eczema, their risk is low enough that nobody recommends them having any sort of screening test first. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit BetterHelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. So you should not withhold the introduction of peanut allergy. Oh, no run-of-the-mill. absolutely uh, should not. And one thing I have learned from speaking with you over the years is that, and you can say this more eloquently, parents I think sometimes are delighted to hear that the early introduction, the research shows us, helps prevent food allergy. But even in the event if your baby did have a reaction, is it true that the reaction is less severe in infants than it would be if you waited until the baby was older? Yes, so the chance of a life-threatening reaction, which is of course what we're most concerned about, um, any kind of reaction can be a bit frightening and any kind of reaction certainly concerns parents and uh, needs to be followed up on. But the chance of a life-threatening reaction uh, is virtually zero in infants. And in older kids, it's higher. It's still not that high. Uh, but it's higher and that's concerning. Let me, if you don't mind, go back for a minute on the eczema because you mentioned earlier that all the parents think their kids have eczema. Uh, statistically, about 13% of kids have eczema, 13% of infants. So it's really not that many. Okay. But then when you say dry skin, I just don't want to contribute to paranoia. Parents like, oh my gosh, my baby has dry skin. That means they're going to have food allergies. You guys, what Dr. Sunog is saying is there might be slightly elevated risk, but please note that the presence of dry skin does not categorize your baby as being at high risk for developing peanut allergy. You are not one of the babies who should refrain from the introduction of allergenic foods during COVID. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. Okay, now, can I ask you a question about reaction? Because you mentioned it, parents are scared about reaction. They're, if you look at the barriers, the biggest barriers to introducing solid foods, it's the fear of gagging and choking, which we usually can get over in the first few days once we learn that gagging is a good thing and what to do if a baby chokes. Hopefully parents have all taken an infant refresher CPR course before they start solid foods. But the next biggest fear is the fear of an allergic reaction. You deal with this stuff every day. So you say things so calmly, like it's nothing that a little bit of Benadryl couldn't help. Could you speak a little bit about what we should look for in a reaction and then just some general advice about having Benadryl on hand? 
Yes, yeah, so uh, most commonly there'll be rash, generally hives. Uh, if you see that, you should uh, give Benadryl. Uh, important to talk to your pediatric provider about the proper dose of Benadryl for your infant based on weight. Every household really should have Benadryl at home. Um, beyond that, uh, we get into the more severe symptoms that are truly unusual. If uh, an infant eats any food and reacts to it with difficulty breathing, you give the Benadryl and yes, you go to the emergency room with that. The other common um, symptom you'll get when there are severe symptoms, which again is uh, very uncommon, uh, would be vomiting. And then lastly, just um, uh, an appearance of getting very ill all of a sudden. Uh, so those are the things to look for. But um, you know, having said all that, I just wanted to emphasize again, uh, chances are it won't be anything beyond hives and Benadryl will take care of it. And then you deal with uh, testing and figuring out uh, what foods to avoid afterwards. And right now it does appear that a lot of the parents, if they are having reactions and they do call their pediatrician, that they're not rushing them in for tests right now. They're saying, listen, if it is a real cause for concern, then we do wait or recommend that you delay reintroducing those foods. But what we don't want is for parents to be scared whose babies are at low risk to introduce these foods. Because as you so eloquently put it in your book, and you guys, Dr. Ron Sunog's book is called Eat the Eight. It is about preventing food allergies with food and the imperfect art of medicine. We know that the research shows that the earlier introduction of these allergenic foods, in many cases, helps prevent food allergy down the road. But perhaps even more importantly, there's absolutely no data to support the idea that waiting is beneficial. So I know we're all kind of in this holding pattern with coronavirus and the quarantine. We don't know when it's going to end. It is important to introduce these foods to your babies early and often. And I wanted to ask you about that because we had a question from a mom. Um, she has her oldest child is uh, just six and a half months of age and they've done three different allergenic foods. She asked me, can you ask Dr. Sunog, what does early and often mean? Like how many grams of X, Y, or Z protein do I need to offer how many times for it to constitute a true exposure? So the only hard data we have is for peanut, and that's based on the LEAP study. Uh, the LEAP study infants got um, two grams of peanut protein three times a week. And so that's the standard. Now, could less peanut protein weekly be effective? It could. Uh, that will never be restudied and we'll never really know. So um, my suggestion is to eat a healthful diet. An infant should get a healthful diet and eat these foods as often as they can uh, within the context of a reasonable diet. And that should be sufficient. One of the reasons in our 100 First Foods approach to starting solid foods that I teach for baby-led weaning that people have say, well, what sequence should I introduce these allergenic foods in? And based on the information in your book, Eat the Eight, I love that you go through all of the current guidance, the guidelines, the research. And we do know that the three most common pediatric allergies are peanut, milk, and egg. So I generally recommend that those are among the first three that parents introduce. Do you tell the same to the parents that you work with in your pediatric practice? Yes, that's, that's exactly what I would do. Okay. And I wanted to know if you could speak to a little bit about, um, you do a nice job of differentiating between, there are these big eight allergenic foods. The, the concept of Dr. Sunog's book is eat the eight, meaning that we should be teaching parents 
to introduce these big eight allergenic foods. And if you're not familiar with that phrase the, or term, the big eight allergenic foods are the foods that account for about 90% of food allergy. We want to do them early and often. And that's very different from what your parents probably heard when they were starting solid foods with you. Um, Dr. Sunak, do you mind just sharing how your guidance, I know you mentioned that you are either close to or near retirement, like 35 years ago, if a parent came to you, was the guidance very different then about introducing allergenic foods and how has it changed based on the research? Yeah, so it was in the 1990s actually, so right around 30 years ago, that researchers uh, were noticing more allergy uh, of big eight foods and again, particularly peanut. And there was a, not enough data, there was not information on what to do about it and people were getting concerned. So around uh, 2000, without any good studies or data to support it, uh, the expert advice was to avoid the big A foods. It didn't take long after that to recognize that the number of infants developing food allergy had actually gone up. And so by 2008, just eight years later, uh, it was recognized that delaying those foods for sure did not decrease the risk of food allergy because it hadn't been studied. Nobody was willing to say that delaying the foods was actually uh, the cause or a cause of uh, infants developing food allergy. When this new data came out in 2008, somehow uh, among both uh, the medical providers and parents, everybody became absolutely certain that infants shouldn't have these foods. Um, and so it's been very hard to change people's minds on that. And then uh, in 2015 was the first study that showed rock solid evidence that the early introduction of peanut prevents peanut allergy. I like that you point out that people just took it as fact. And so I, I think I, I teach it the university level, I teach medical students and nurse practitioners. And one of the things we always have discussions about is this notion that pediatricians say, wait three to five days between introducing all foods. What I try to teach is, listen, it makes sense to wait three to five days or longer between introducing potentially allergenic foods, but there is no hard and fast data anywhere that says you must wait three to five days between introducing low risk foods. So if I provide the parents I work with, here's a list of a hundred foods your baby can safely eat before the age of one. Eight of them are the big eight allergenic foods plus sesame, which we sometimes lump in there, there are 91 remaining low risk foods. If you waited five days between each food, it would take you over 500 days to introduce these foods to your baby, which you may feel safer doing, but there's no data to support the idea that you need to. And there's no data that shows that it's harmful to introduce those low risk foods, one new food a day. Do you hear the same thing from parents? Like, oh, I'll just wait three to five days between all foods. And what do you tell them? So I, I agree with you completely. Um, and so uh, a confession here, uh, you may remember in my book, I also said, wait, I can't remember if I said, wait a few days or three to five. And the We're reason- pediatrician, that, you guys learned it in medical school. That's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that, no, it, it reminded me that I'm just human and susceptible to repeating something that I've been taught so long ago and is so ingrained that you stop thinking about whether it makes sense. And um, I thought to change it in the book, but I thought, you know, I'm going to leave second it in. Second edition, second edition. Yeah, maybe. I'm not, uh, but I think I'm going to leave it in there because it, it serves as that reminder to me 
Um, but I'm glad you're straightening it out. And, um, and yes, now I tell people um, that yes, waiting a day is fine. Now, uh, to be fair, even with the allergenic foods, if you only wait a day, you'd probably be okay. But I love your method of introducing one per week because that is certainly fast enough. There are certainly enough other foods worth introducing in the first year of life. And by doing the allergenic foods, the big eight, uh, and with sesame, the uh, nine, uh, one a week, that's just a great way to give parents an additional level of comfort. And you're still getting all those foods in. And you know, most importantly, um, the benefit of introducing 100 foods in the first year so outweighs any possible risk of allergic reaction that it's uh, the right choice. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Well, and I appreciate you saying that because a lot of physicians, I think, sometimes just repeat, oh, start with iron-fortified rice cereal, wait three to five days. Like There is no research that supports this. We think that all medical professionals would give evidence-based recommendations. And yet sometimes we just find ourselves repeating it. One of my favorite lines from your book, and he, Dr. Sunog explained a little bit about the timeline about when the LEAP study occurred and that in October, 2017, 10 months after the addendum guidelines had come out, it was found that only 11% of pediatricians had actually put into practice these recommendations to be talking to parents about earlier introduction of peanuts. And Dr. Sunog says and admits as a fellow physician that physicians are not immune to the inclination to cling to obsolete information. And I think it's important that we have these conversations. Yeah, we have been giving recommendations that aren't always steeped in evidence and we need to evolve the way we fed our babies. I mean, 20 years ago when I was studying to be a dietitian, you didn't feed egg white until after the baby was one. We didn't do peanuts until they were three. I mean, it was remarkably different just two decades ago, yet the science evolves and as practitioners, our recommendations to parents needs to evolve. Agree. So can I ask you in closing, for a parent who is on the fence about introducing allergenic foods during COVID-19, how would you talk them off of the fence if their baby's not in the high-risk category for peanut allergy? And let me add, even if they are, I mean, I would say again, even if they are at high risk, certainly talk to your physician and uh, consider a test. And by the way, that would be a really low risk thing to do uh, regarding COVID because you can do a blood test at a lab um, where they're not going to be seeing, you know, uh, COVID patients the way they do in the ER, for example, or potentially in some office. Um, but what would I tell parents? Okay, first of all, not introducing these foods increases their chance that they're eventually going to develop allergy to these foods. Second of all, uh, going back to 2008, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, and then uh, not long after the National Institute of Health, put out recommendations that were to a large extent ignored that introducing these foods to infants is absolutely safe. And that's the key, maybe the most key point. And um, you know, again, you want to reduce your infant's risk of developing allergies, so introduce these foods. Uh, life has risks. I guess we're learning that these days uh, more than ever. Um, so there is no completely risk-free 
uh, way to raise a, a, an infant or a child. Um, but this is an extraordinarily low risk, high benefit thing to do. The benefits of introducing 100 new foods, the benefits of introducing the big eight uh, way outweigh the risks uh, of any allergic reaction. And I think parents struggle with peanuts because a lot of my education focuses on reducing choking risk. And we know that babies cannot have intact nuts or thick globs of peanut butter, which brings us to the next point. Parents will say, okay, then how do you recommend safely introducing peanut protein to a baby? And we should mention that Dr. Sunog is a medical advisor for the company Puffworks. And Puffworks makes a product that's a peanut butter puff formulated particularly for babies. And perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what went into the creation of that product and why it's different than other peanut containing products out there. I recommend it because from a choking standpoint, it's something that dissolves easily in the baby's mouth. And I like the size that they can pick it up and feed it to themselves. But as someone who's worked directly with that product, uh, why do you recommend the Puffworks baby as a safe way to introduce peanut protein to babies? So after the LEAP study showed that introducing peanut uh, was beneficial for infants, um, I realized immediately parents would need uh, a good food to do that with, to avoid choking, and something that babies would happily accept. The LEAP study actually used a peanut puff called Bamba, um, which is a good product. Um, but um, I thought something better could be done. I was lucky to find people making peanut puffs who were willing, uh, very interested in making a puff specifically for infants. So Puffworks Baby uh, is organic, non-GMO, uh, mostly whole grain and lower in salt because babies don't really need the salt. So lower in salt than the other peanut butter puffs, but maybe most importantly uh, made as soft as possible so that it dissolves easily and you have no choking risk. And while a number of companies are having supply issues, you guys still can order Puffworks Baby during the coronavirus quarantine. They're shipping from the puffworks.com website. And you wanna make sure that for babies, you're getting the Puffworks Baby product. There are some other adult products that just have a little bit more sodium and sugar, which we wouldn't give to babies. But Puffworks Baby, which is in the orange bag, if you use the code BABYLED, you can get 20% off at puffworks.com and they continue to have free shipping as well. So it's a great product that can arrive at your house so you can trial the peanut protein safely with your baby during coronavirus because as Dr. Sunog so eloquently put it, there is no relatively large risk and the risk of not doing this actually increases baby's risk of food allergies down the road. So Dr. Sunog, in closing, anything you want to say for our parents who are stuck at home listening to this, uh, sometimes a little bit scared about introducing allergenic foods? Uh, feeding your infant should be fun and joyful. My uh, babies are 26 and 19 years old, uh, but I remember the, the fun of uh, introducing solids to them. There's plenty of guidance out there. Katie, I love your guidance. Uh, and um, pay attention to that and enjoy it. Uh, the risks are extraordinarily small. Uh, the benefits are very large. Thank you for reminding us of that, Dr. Sunog. All right. Well, thanks. This has been fun. All right. I don't know about you, but I feel a lot more at ease right now after having heard Dr. Sunog's advice. And I hope 
that it gave you guys the confidence that you need to proceed as normal for the most part for most of you with regards to the introduction of potentially allergenic foods during COVID. Remember what Dr. Sunog said, the benefits of introducing these foods far outweigh any risk. So keep up the good work and happy feeding. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.